On this week's show, Pat demands answers. And we give him none. We give him Lynn Cantwell. She has all the answers. Who gets Penguin of the Week? Will it go to someone in St Kilda in Melbourne? Or? Or the runner who runs a marathon in under an hour. (laughs) Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby. Together with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe. Together with Guinness. It is Monday evening uh, the night after the day before uh, we were recording tonight because um, Pat had to be rushed to a and this morning uh, <laughs> due to severe disappointment Punching and walls. frustration. <laughs> <laughs> he punched and kicked the wall in his house. Could you not see the funny side of it, Pat? No. <laughs> I have to go back. I'm going to have to go back for blood pressure here again. <laughs> Yeah, he took the kids out of school and everything. He, he was just like, I don't think he can go to school today. We're staying at home. He and... took the kids out of school to take it out on them. <laughs> <laughs> the bunny rabbits have been boiled. He's cooked all his rabbits at home. He's eating them for dinner. Um, look, there's so much that we have to get into about how uh, bad it all was. Let's put that on hold. Let's put that on hold for a while. There were two or three really funny parts of that game. That made me laugh as much as I... Yes? <laughs> My favourite part of the game was um, uh, when Owen Farrell held on to CJ's foot mm-hmm. like a little piece of damp toilet roll. <laughs> <laughs> Coming out of the jacks. Like, get off, would you get off? <laughs> and then Farrell threw a bit of a tantrum. Yeah. You can't just punch someone. Yeah. You just punch me. Punch me, punch me in the head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was... Uh, I don't know where he was going with that. I love CJ's uh, quick thoughts. He's definitely done that before. Like he was using that part of his hand, and he was like punching him with, with an him. open hand. Yeah. It's like he's definitely done that into someone's throat. It's like a Steven Seagal move or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's the Bruce Lee one-inch punch. Yeah, yeah. It was quite vicious. Uh, my particular favorite part was when uh, George Ford scored. You probably didn't see this because you were at the game, but he scored his try. And then he picked it up and he just <laughs> lashed the ball as hard as he could straight into the crowd. And I, when I did it, I was like, Jesus, that could have hit someone. And then they showed the slow motion replay from behind him. And it was some English support, <laughs> like an old man. It was like, yes. And it hit him straight into the face. Did you see that? No, I heard about it. I heard people talking oh, about it afterwards. Man, I missed it. It was phenomenal. Oh, so good. Yeah. Imagine like the turnaround and fortunes of that supporter. He's yeah. in, like you euphoria yeah. one second. Swing. Oh, <laughs> it was so hard as well. Like uh, every cloud, you know, every cloud. Yeah. Um, I told you uh, ripping the jersey off CJ was quite a comical moment. That was well. enjoyable as well. Um, just him, like, um, <laughs> like for no reason, just holding on to the two fellas, and the mm. bush can get away from them, and mm. they're both getting so ratty and pissed. Uh, yeah, it's nothing worse than that than someone holding on to you. Yeah. But he was just going, well, there's two of you and there's one of me. Yeah. So we're probably better off and going <laughs> to stick with it. Yeah. But you were there. Um, was it, what was it like? Was it a good crack? Uh, yeah, it was, it was decent crack. It, the game got a little bit steel. Second half was boring. Yeah. But yeah, so I was over at the... It was quite chatty throughout, wasn't it? It was very chatty and there were English, English guys behind me were doing my head and some of the comments were ridiculous. Go away. I just... can't even, I can't even... Flannery um, wouldn't be digging the stereotypes. No, they were very stereotypical. Okay. These guys were posh little little pricks. He'd, they be, were, he'd be going after them. Honestly, they were assholes. Oh, they are. Yeah. They were. And as the game went on, they became more and more as 
Holy. <laughs> Holy. Yeah. I'm just picturing your man from Braveheart, basically. Just that, that, that orange mate, the guy with the chain mail in the orange hood that, yeah. that licks his, his, <laughs> his wife's face. Yeah. That's all I'm, I'm imagining. Yeah, I was getting licked in the back <laughs> of the head. <laughs> you remind me of my daughter back home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was nice, though. It was, uh, so it was a Guinness event <clears throat> with um, uh, Abby Scott <laughs> and uh, Alex Cude. It was nice, and I bumped into uh, Rory before the game, actually. I was on my way to pick up my accreditation. It was quite crowded, a lot of people rummaging around. And then, have I ever told you um, about the nickname that Rory, Rory Rory calls me the Dopey Sheep? Have I told you this before? Have we talked about this, no? No, but it's like... So years ago, years ago, Rory and Leamy, you know, best mates, those two, which mm. is an odd wee relationship. Mm. so funny how they're so close. They're mm. like best friends. Um, in Kalani Castle one day... I suppose they just think I'm like, quite laid back or quite dopey or like not really paying attention sometimes, as it would have been more so then. I think I've kind of grown out of that a little bit since I've now got three children and <laughs> quite mature. Or you just hang around me and I'm also dopey sheep. Yeah, you're so, just dopier. I'm yeah. just less dopey, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. relatively. But anyway, um, so they started calling me the dopey sheep, dopey sheep for, for years and it kind of caught on a wee bit. Now to the point where anytime Rory sees me, he just goes, bah. <laughs> so I was just walking through the crowd and I just heard, you know how if you see someone, like you just quickly scan your kind of database, what do we have in common, what do we chat about? This is, and then but Rory scans his, his, his database and he, and he just goes, he sees me and he just goes, bah. <laughs> What's your one bag for him? Nothing, nothing, nothing at all. Ratty. No, Rory calls the shots. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it was good. I caught up with Rory and uh, Alex Hewitt was brilliant, actually. Very dry, very funny. Quirky character. I only know him from the <clears throat> the bum bag and the wearing the gear for yeah. three days after the match last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Which was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. He was very good. Um, there was one um, English kind of English, like quite outspoken guy at the back, and we put uh, questions out to the to the floor, and then this guy goes, "Yeah, I've got a question." <laughs> quite confident, you know. Mm. And um, uh, Google goes, "Oh, what is it? Relegation? Um, salary cap? Go on, have a go." <laughs> 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 he wanted to get the straight stereotype. the big issues, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he was funny. Alex good. And he listens to the show. Man. He see, just right at the end, spent about an hour together. And then right at the end, he was like, love the show, by the way. Come man. Hello, yes. Alex good. And I is delighted with that. There were a few penguins in the room. One penguin came over. And usually they, they would come over and identify themselves. They'll say, I'm a penguin. This mm. guy just came over to me and Fla. Fla was there. And he just goes, Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> like a cold word. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I had a good few messages from the penguins that I think uh, we've got our Penguin of the Week trophy. Um, I think we'll get to later on because I've got some contenders. Uh huh. Have you got any? No. Yeah, okay, well, I have two. I haven't kept to my New Year's resolution. Um, Fla, unfortunately, couldn't join us today. Uh, he's still in England. He went over for, for the weekend as well. Uh, but we have Lynn Cantwell, who's going to be joining us on the show in part two to tear into the weekend's rugby. Um, and some examples of what uh, you Facebook people want us, Penguins want us to talk about. Why do we always struggle so much with a rush defence we got caught out twice by kicks in behind the defensive line, yet we never tried to find the space in behind the English line. We just kept trying to get to the edges, which never worked. Anthony O'Loughlin. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree more, Anthony. It was one of the, uh, one of the things I pointed out in the Welsh match was how many times we kicked <coughs> with variety mm-hmm. in the first half. Uh, 
in the English team kicked 16 times in the first half on Saturday, on Sunday. 13 out of the 16 had positive outcomes. They had nine different types of kicks, I counted. It nine was, different kick categories. Yes. That was, and that's so hard to defend against. Yeah. And as you saw for the tries, it wasn't just the kick, but they were preempted, like for especially for Young's kick for, um, for was that Daly's try? Ford's. Ford's try. <clears throat> there was three chasers who were like flat in the line the second yeah. Young kicks did at full belt. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't just spot and space and Ireland not covering backfield. It was really good uh, attack. It was manipulating. Play. It was bringing Lama mm-hmm. one side, yeah. keeping Jacob up <clears> one <throat> side, and then Johnny had to go back. Yeah. Of those nine kick categories, was one of them whenever George Ford kicked toward his own line? Yes. And also <laughs> uh, George Cruz's kick was included in that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they were the two of the three that weren't yeah. very positive. But like two, two of Ford's, Buck, uh, Gary Owens were incredible. Uh, Daly had one chip that Larmer caught and uh, and marked. Why he didn't mark the other one is beyond me. Mm. That that preempted um, that that first try as well. Uh, just seemed like a really. I know he's playing with a little bit uh, more attack minded stuff, but uh, that just I didn't understand. I was like, have they changed the rules here or something? Yeah. That you can't mark that 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 kick. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. And then Ireland on the other flip side of that had 13 kicks in the first half. Uh, only three of them were positive and the three of them were uh, kicks to touch from Murray, whereas the rest were all, and there were only like England had five different people who kicked the ball in the first half. Ireland only had two, Murray and Sexton, and they were all just yes. on the back foot. I would say that wasn't, Ireland didn't get joy from those kicks, not because the kicks weren't good, because the face play before that wasn't good and they weren't I- kicking on their terms. Yeah, a bit of both. Like I, I just don't think you should be kicking if you if it's not on your terms, unless you're. Well, it should be always in your terms, really. Yeah, but it's just because the guys were getting beat up, and they weren't yeah. getting gain lines, and then. Yeah, I suppose watching the watching the Welsh back match back this morning, seeing how much pressure they were under uh, from the French, they could still find ways to recreate quick ball um, with a variety of different options off nine and ten. So um, I don't know if that's. A good enough excuse, um, but look, the kicking's one thing. They're not. Um, it's the getting the ball standing still and not getting gain lines. Yeah, and finding a solution to that English defence. Yeah, it felt like, um, it, like defensively, England. It was man, men against boys. They mm. were just manhandling. Mm. It's too much of an exaggeration. It was, it was like it was like firemen against teachers. <laughs> <laughs> Good, I like that. Um, one of the other questions is, do we have management with the courage to make big decisions and drop star names in the face of ex-players who do nothing but defend their mates and make them untouchable to criticism? Colin McConaughey. Are you one of them, Derek? I think, yeah, I think that's us. <laughs> it took me a while to work out. Yeah. That's us, yeah. Um, ah, look, I think... What did he say last week? Colin? Yeah. I yeah. bet you if you'd asked for his opinion last week, he would have been, oh, we are flying. Yeah. Everything's back on course. The I, dawn of a new day after the World Cup. Yeah. New coach. We thought we were in for a Grand Slam uh, this week. Yeah, going so into it. Colin gets carried away when things are brilliant. When things are good, they're brilliant. Yeah. And when we get beat, we, uh, we need to drop sex and drop Murray. That's what yeah. Colin says. We just put a little bit of um, context into every win or loss. 
Okay. Calling your band. <laughs> <laughs> More of this, Colin. Get under his skin because I'm useless at it. Uh, all right, we'll we'll get dive, we'll dive a little bit more into it. We'll also talk about France beating Wales, uh, the <laughs> Ireland under-20s winning in the Triple Crown and the women's team uh, losing, unfortunately, over in, uh, in England as well. We'll also have all the other weekend action and catch up on our my, match pint predictions. But let us get Lynn Cantwell on the couch. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Welcome back and welcome to the couch, Lynn. How are we doing? Good, thanks. Uh, the way you, you introduced that was like story time on CBBC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like um, Lynn's going to tell us a night nice story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting really good at blasting out those stories for them, reading a lot of... Uh, Roald Dahl at night, yes, not even yeah, know what's going on, but George's Marvellous Medicine is <coughs> unreal. Yeah. Uh, Lynn, you just had a baby. I did. How long ago? Uh, five weeks. Holy five, crap. six weeks now, yeah. Aww. So you're up to your eyes in nursery rhymes and all that kind of crap. I'm or just feeding, feeding. yeah. yeah. Arlo. Um, first? Second. Second. So little Arlo, little oh, boy. Lovely. Yeah, and he, he feeds an awful lot more. Does he? Yeah, boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we. I'm up a lot, but you just cope, don't you? You just keep on going. Yeah. Um, and hopefully he'll find his feet at some stage. How old is your first? Uh, she's two. All right. Yeah. So it's a quick turnaround. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice, actually. So you have a little daughter, don't you? Kitty, yeah. isn't it? Kitty, yeah. Your, your twins. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, she's brilliant with him. Like, she doesn't take her distaste for our family growing out on him at all. She, like, touches his nose and kisses his head. But she hates us. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> yeah. I know. She's just looking for attention. But, um, but it'll settle. And it's nice that they have a little mm. kind of bond already. So, yeah, we'll find her. Molly food. beats the crap out of Katie, doesn't she? Molly does. Molly's brilliant with Katie, though, but she just she's just over enthusiastic. Okay. And she's quite physical. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, I think Molly will have a, probably a lot more rugby in her than Jack. Okay. I, I can imagine her being just a little bit more confrontational. Right, right. Yeah. And a little bit of a leg drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is bonkers, though, just that you can see their like personalities from the start. Can, can you see it? that already? What's your little girl's name? Um, Scarlett. Scarlett. Yeah, yeah. She is just so bossy. Oh, my God. Like, this finger comes out. And then you reflect on yourself and you yeah. think, do I give out to yeah. you? Or does anybody in the world with a finger that assertively? And then I really, I don't think so. But she's literally just pointing at everything, saying, do that, do that. And you're just like, okay. She's fine. not licking it off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the rugby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, look. I tried Roald Dahl as well. Um, I was going for coffee, and I brought Katie and Jack out for coffee, and then I was going to meet Anna later on. Anna was late, so we kind of were killing time. We went into um, Oxfam Bookshop. Yeah. I was picking up all these books, these second-hand books, and I saw Roald Dahl. I think we had a conversation recently about how... He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. good. Hey, so yeah. um, Matilda, for Matilda, hmm. and then I know that's Anna, one of Anna's favourite movies and right, favourite right. books. And uh, I was like, Jack, this would be brilliant. I had to convince him. I had to get him on board. I was yeah. like, Jack, I know best here. <laughs> We're getting yeah. this book, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And then I said, like, trust me, Jack, I think you'll really like this. Please bear with me. <laughs> He's four. I'm, I should be the one to sign. Yeah. Took him to the coffee shop and I, and I, and I was like, I'm really enthusiastic, trying to read everything yeah. so yeah. enthusiastically. Got a page into it and he goes, let's leave that. <laughs> what a brat. Just leave it. Leave that. Roll yeah, well, that, son. Well, uh, Joe.e have just uh, put a 
television screen in our green room over here with the Sega Mega Drive and Mortal Kombat in it, <laughs> which is like the best thing ever. But I feel like I'm with Roald Dahl and with those computer games, I'm I'm reliving a lot of my childhood yeah. and enforcing it on, on the babies. Um, we had a Bose reunion at the weekend. Oh, Lynn and I went <coughs> way back to our Bose days. We had an under 10s Bose reunion. Oh, jeez. Uh, and it was from our trip to Coleraine under 10s. And one of the lads said he stayed in your house, no actually. Way. Yeah. And he said, oh, no. I was like, what do you remember? He said, I played him in a game of like FIFA or something like that. And we kept beating him and he was just getting really thick and rattled. <laughs> <laughs> and, he just, and I was like, go away. And then this evening we were walking in the door and Trimby's like, I was playing a game of FIFA with um, with uh, some kid the other day, were you? Uh, yeah, it was Anna's cousin I was telling that story. Yeah, and you got so, he kept beating you and you got so ratty with him. Yeah, and I also get really ratty with Anna's brothers. They're both really, actually pro Evo it was, but anyway. Um, Anna's brother used to beat me and every time he scored a goal, he'd go, shh. <laughs> <laughs> so annoying. Well, so you haven't grown up in 30 years. No, it really still gets under my skin. Guys yeah. like Colin. And FIFA, those are the two things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So was it that bad, do you reckon? Were England class or were, were we a bit off and a bit of both? Um, I think England were very good. Like, I think we always said going into it, this is not a bad English side. This is a very good English side playing badly for two games. It's only for two games. Like, what they did to Ireland last year and the Aviva, what they did to New Zealand, obviously, in October or September was phenomenal. Like, that was an amazing English mm. side. And yes, they were down the Vinopola brothers, but this is a great English side. And I think they, they showed up for and whatever were the dynamics behind why they showed up, whether it was Trickenham, whether it was Eddie Jones conversations, whether it was just they all gave themselves a kick in the ass, whatever it was, they showed up. And then Ireland didn't. And whether it was just for those first 10, 15 minutes, they were asleep at the start and then they were too far to claw it back. And they showed up a little bit more in the second half or not. Um, I'm not too sure, but they, and I'm not too sure whether because they started poorly, they continued to play poorly. Um, you'd expect them to be able to turn it around. Either way, Ireland didn't play well, um, mm. and England played very well. Yeah, I could see England's game plan like from the get-go, as, this, as I went harped on about there, but their kicking, but also their variety in attack and their defensive line speed was just like, like I told you, it was, they'd come up, but then he'd just keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas like... Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but if your defensive, uh, I suppose, uh, philosophies, why doesn't everyone just use the rush defence and keep rushing? If you've numbers in the line, Ireland will make the first three or four yards, they'll get off the line and then they'll put the brakes on and uh, won't apply pressure out the back of a spot play or something like that. It's like, um, and then England are just, just keep getting off the line, keep, getting, keep putting you under pressure, keep putting Johnny Sexton under pressure and, and just compounding all our errors and then we start going into it. So, <coughs> first of all, that's England's attack play was bang on and their defensive play, bang on, and very simple. What exactly do you think our uh, game plan was, attack and defence? I, I think we played too much. I think Johnny mentioned this in the press conferences as well. I think we went, we went out the back a couple of times and it was a long pass that's perfect for them for their defence mm. long pass and then I told you the guys in the midfield too Lange was manhandling uh, Bundy um, uh, Henshaw at the back a couple of times yeah. just felt like as well so we went out the back whenever it wasn't on and then once or twice we could have gone whenever there was a lot of traffic uh, so is that close. something like more options on the inside of Johnny or more inside passes because obviously you're not kicking you don't want to be kicking when you're on the back foot 
either. So yeah, I, I just don't think I think we went to ten too often. I think we should have, mm. and we didn't get enough joy off our our carries off nine because like I know it's the most obvious thing in the world to say it, but they're standing still when they get the ball. Mm. And there was no... Do you remember James Ryan when he used to carry? Mm. And he, to be fair, he was the best of the lot of the weekend. When he used to carry, he, used to, he was so dynamic. He always used to get... Um, I've heard it described as kind of beating the defender into the space, just keeping that pass short and making it flat as well. Whereas we were... The passes off nine were long mm. and they were pulled back as well. Mm. So then that's perfect. Atoji's yeah. going, right, well, this is ideal. I can yeah. climb into this. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Like, I don't know. There's just this... There seems to be a common theme. And, like, this is... Um, um, excellent Irish side, excellent individuals. But I suppose when <clears throat> when you when you're playing badly or when people are starting to make mistakes, there's obviously that kind of snowball effect, and mm. that that was definitely evident um, in the first half and in the first twenty minutes or so. And yes, Sexton was a part of that, and he'll put a ha- his hand up to say that. But there didn't seem to be then the ability to take ownership for that turnaround, the momentum mm. shift, and. You know, we spoke before about relying on nine ten and Murray and, and Sexton to make decisions, and if they have a bad game, um, what? How does that impact the rest of the team? Like, my opinion is, yes, you're not having decision makers one to fifteen, but like, players need to have the ability to know that things are going bad. How do we shift this around? How do I take up take back control? Not to sound like a Brexit campaign, but mm. um, yeah, like I, I think we didn't see that. So whether it was pressure at the start or is it a little bit reminiscent of what we suggested was happening in the last couple of years, whereby players weren't weren't making decisions for themselves, thinking for themselves, and mm. say, do you know what, this is not doing too well. I know my this is what I can do to shift momentum back. <clears throat> um, there doesn't didn't seem to be that. So whether I think there was a little bit of that as well in it. Do yeah. you think? Do you think we could have more deception in round? In round nine, I, I feel like if, if as Murray's just about to pass the ball, if you took a picture and say, like, there's yeah. 30 different pictures, I think probably 28, 29 of them, you'd be able to say, it, bet you the ball yeah. goes to him, yeah, yeah, and you'd yeah. be right. Yeah. yeah, Because it's always that kind of like V or like that yeah, point. Yeah. It goes to him, and you either latch yeah. or you get smashed back. That's it, yeah. There's no real options, and Murray was getting a hard time. He was getting a lot of traffic. I think it was tough on him as mm. well because the guys weren't getting a game line. He yeah. was getting scragged. Yeah. Toji was all over him. Well, Farrell it, was yeah. over him. Yeah, but even at one stage, you remember, I think it was the block down kick from Atoje, <coughs> Murray to Atoje. And before he actually kicked it, he still, he pointed to the ref and he said Atoje was offside. Mm. So it even pointed to the ref, told the ref that Atoje was offside. So Atoje still um, took a step back but then still blocked it down you know so it was still prescriptive even after yeah. the ref was on our side you know yeah. so yeah that's a valid point yeah yeah um, when when you say other people taking ownership like as two thirteens, um and I think Raj and, and Shane Horgan were quite critical of, of people outside of the halfbacks yesterday taking that kind of ownership um, kind of I've mentioned this before maybe Earlsey could I think could do a really good job in 13. A little bit concerned about Henshaw, like, unbelievable player, but hasn't played a lot of rugby at 13 either. And uh, I think watching Tompkins for Wales on Saturday, um, I know he hadn't a perfect game, but, man, he took the... He was really good, I thought. Yeah, he he made some mistakes, obviously the (coughs) intercept and stuff, but he just took the game by the scruff of the neck at moments. And Fakatawa as well, obviously, for for France, is one of the best players in the world at the moment. Um, obviously we're missing Ringrose who's an incredible 13 but yeah I feel like that's maybe an element of our game we're missing um, with Henshaw and Aki in the centre at the moment they're two twelves in my eyes 
So having a 13 that will know when to make that call. And a 13 who will step up and get the ball in his mm. hands? Like, is that what you mean by Tompkins? Kind of just... Yeah, and like somewhat electric pace and speed, like Earlsy, because I did, I do think when he went in there after forty-five minutes against Wales last or two weeks ago, he, um, you know, you saw that pass that he that he threw to to Larmer yeah. under pressure, and he created a lot of space for um, for Conway on a couple of occasions as well. I think, you know, looking at the Italian game, he's going to make changes, right? I think he'll have to with kind of the pressure that's on. Yeah. Um, that would be one of them that I, I think I'd really like to see. And I, know, I said this a few weeks ago and a lot of people got back to me saying, I think you're mad thinking that Erzy is a, is a 13. But what more do you want from a 13? He's the most experienced back uh, outside of, of uh, Sexton, probably. He's still probably one of the fastest. He's got the best skills. Um, he'll sit down any defence. Um, and, yeah, I just, I'd want him in my team. Like, what's he like to play with, Murph? Is he vocal at 13? Because I suppose what you're saying is you want somebody to be a decision maker as well as have kind of the footwork and stuff to be able to do what a good 13 does. Yeah, kind of the inside. he is. He really is. You know, I've played outside him a couple of times on the wing when he was 13. I've played, I've played 13 with him at 12. And uh, he's a really clever footballer. Right. His chat is brilliant. Like, you know, as I said, his experience is, is uh, second to none in that team. And... Um, yeah, I think in that that's such a key position for mm. us right now. Um, that, yeah, he's got all the attributes. So you're right in saying it's not necessarily it's not necessarily a thirteen that you're looking for. It's just it's someone. It's another distributor. It's another person to step up and be a decision maker and link. The reason why I'm thinking that is because there was one occasion where um, again England were coming around the corner, getting loads of line speed, and uh, Johnny just quickly tipped it on to Bundy. Bundy coughed it up and mm-hmm. went forward, and then Johnny caught it. It was yeah. a penalty. Remember yeah, that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was one of the ones where I was like, that doesn't require <coughs> two passes. <coughs> Maybe Bundy should have just thought, right, well, what's the point in going through Johnny? Why don't I just carry off, mm-hmm. off Murray and just, again, get the game line earlier and, uh, and not allow them to get, like, kind of frustrate the defence by making mm-hmm. the passes shorter mm-hmm. and getting there quicker? That might have been an occasion where someone like, like Erlsey would have recognised that and spotted that. Mm. Um, yeah, exactly. I know, again, I know Bunny had twelve on his back. That's what I'm saying. It just it just needed someone else. Maybe someone like Will Addison would do that as well. I think. Yeah, going to create a little bit of space, a little bit more. Um, I don't know. Would uh, Chris Farrell do that? I think Chris personally. I think he's more of a twelve in that role that I'm looking for. I think he's a, he's a brilliant distributor as well, so he can do a job at thirteen. But for what I I think this Irish team needs, it's like there was one occasion in the second half where. We had a penalty advantage in their 22, and Johnny had a, had a crossfield kick to Pete. I think it was Pete. Remember that one? Yes, yeah. That kind of bounced into touch. It was unlucky. But if you look back, they showed the camera from behind the goals, and Earlsey came around and was out the back door of whoever was outside uh, Johnny Sexton, and I was like, if Earlsey gets that ball one-on-one with a, with a defender with five yards either side of him in that 13 position... There's no one I'd, I'd hate to mark, yeah. you know, if I was the opposite 13. Mm. I'd be like, Jesus, don't give Erlsey a one-on-one there. Yeah. And that's never where I think we're at. Our, we're not at our, strong, our strongest there. We used to be with Drico on yeah. 13. And, and in fairness to Gary Ringrose, he can do that as well. So um, I, do, I, I, I actually know, I know what you mean. I can see the value in getting another <laughs> ball player and somebody's going to step up and get the ball in their hands and make good decisions. I make breaks. But it's you know, making a break, yeah, yeah. On an outside break. Yeah. Raj mentioned an RTE yesterday, or, or on, a, on version, where... Uh, and and I, and it was funny because Tompkins was doing it off a, off a right hand scrum. 
uh, Bigger was just taking a flat pass yeah. and he was just whipping a, a skip one pass across um, Parks to to Tompkins and it was it's old school and yeah. it's not something we see very often but what more do you need when you're as a 13s yeah, you're like yeah. just give me the ball yeah. one on one with the ball out in front of me and uh, they've got the whole backfield to defend as well so you can put a grubber through or you can yeah. you know you can get too intricate with passes out the back and stuff these days and and forgetting that just, just put, stretch them take put the ball out yeah. in front of someone who can yeah. run <laughs> run a 30 meter in 3 point Eight seconds or something yeah. like that. Just yeah. give the ball to, to someone like Keith, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's there's something in that. I think, and I think Ireland would have been might have been better if they had had that kind of role or someone to take that ownership. But that only solves a small bit of problem. <laughs> yeah. I think the big problem is that the ball carriers and gain line, the bullying, way. Uh, I think that's infinitely way bigger a problem. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, it did seem like again we're just like like the the, the game before the World Cup and the, and the last year Six Nations mm. like we're just getting bullied and the the confidence they have like a f- 55 minutes or something English players are like we've won this game yeah. Yeah, yeah. where does that yeah. come from yeah. like it was um, and high five and then the whoop whoop there's a lot of that wasn't there yeah. there's a lot of that yeah, yeah. Um, is that annoying, just posturing that? or uh, does that affect you as a player on the pitch um, look I, I just still think that like I, I know we're compartmentalizing it, and this is a Six Nations, and therefore it's important. But you know, there's a there's a there's a trend that's been here for a good while, and like if we if we don't talk about it and actually and get it off our chest, <laughs> you know, if we don't talk about it and address it, which is such a really important time to do it, first year post World Cup, then we like we could be sitting here again in four years' time, and nothing has nothing has changed, you know. So like, what are if we look if we compare it to the twenties performance on Fridays and the type of the style of rugby that the twenties are playing, and I know that they're footloose and fancy, fancy, fancy free, you know, eighteen, nineteen year olds, but just that expressiveness, that creativity, that that like that ability to take risks, um, that yes, was effective for them and I understand that it's a different level. I completely get that, but damn, like Ireland has the ability to play that style of rugby, but what's happening between 20s and our national side that, that we're losing that? Mm. Um, so I'm not saying that we have to rip up the script in Ireland and reshape how we play rugby, um, but we need to be playing a better style a of rugby yeah. so that in four years' time we're going to be competitive because we're not going to do it this way, you know? But we, I thought we tried, though. I thought we, tr- I thought we actually tried too much. We put long passes out the back and guys were getting man and ball. Yeah. But it's, I suppose it's how you do it. Like, um, Wales lose to France on Saturday and generally if Wales lose in a, in a Six Nations game, you don't really, even last week when they lost to, to Ireland, you don't see the same, uh, I don't know, drop in performance. It's, mm. They still play really well and play an exciting brand of rugby, yeah. but they mightn't, um, they mightn't get the win for whatever reason. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, when we when we lose, it seems to be pretty bad when we mm. don't perform. It's either we're top for game, yeah. and we implement our game plan really well, or we we drop off. There's no kind of middle ground of of uh, knowing, as you said, mm. to just throw the ball around a little bit more, or not yeah. even throw the ball around, but vary it up and yeah. have different options. Vary it up, I think. So. Yeah. Or, yeah, just be a bit more maybe creative, but not necessarily be risky. Like what England yeah. did wasn't risky. Yeah, yeah, yeah They just yeah. they just manipulated the backfield, put a couple yeah. of dinks through, mm. yeah. and they just thought it's still, it's pretty likely again the Irish guy in the backfield is going to get there first. Yeah. But we still draw a couple of mistakes, mm. and they yeah. did that. So is it like as you were saying a few minutes ago, um, where we're still even though it's a new era, we're still a little bit predictable or. 
uh, yeah. prescriptive. Yeah. Is it, are we now, like, you know, you heard last week Bono came in and there was DJs yeah. at training. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are we gone? Yeah. Is it now we're too relaxed? Yeah. 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 No more DJs. <laughs> <laughs> Damn Bono. Uh, yeah, look, I don't know. And I just wonder, again, I, I, I um, wasn't coached under Joe, so I don't know. But, like, what, what you heard was... Um, uh, like a regime whereby there was a lot of structure, and I suppose in the presence of a lot of structure, you kind of don't think for yourself, isn't it? That seems to be the mm. like North like, Korea. There's a lot of political references, this, isn't there? Um, so, is there that the players have started to just not make decisions and look and scan and 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 read the game and continue to develop their rugby intelligence, which? is what separates sides um, and we're seeing the effects of that. So we would just rely on the, the Murray and Sexton and then when they have a bad game, everybody has a bad game. Whereas that's not necessary, you know, because all of those players have the ability to make decisions and um, to change games around and blah, blah, blah. So are we seeing just a little bit of a latent effect from... Uh, from It'll take a while to come yeah, out of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I see, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty biased in this because I... I I loved playing under Joe. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've never played so well. Yeah. I've, n- I've never played in, a, in an Irish team under Joe that didn't perform well. Yeah, so sure. I'm totally skewed in my understanding. Mm-hmm. I can I can only ever see the value in being prepared, yeah. being ready, being you know kind of thorough in your preparation. Yeah. I love all that stuff, um, but there's something didn't work at the World Cup mm-hmm. or even in the run up to the World Cup really in the six months before. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it was, but I know, like Conway mentioned there last week, you know, there's just a slight change. You know, obviously you're talking about the DJs during training yeah. and, mm-hmm. and the forwards are doing drop goal competitions after training, you know, and that's yeah. the sort of stuff I don't think Joe would have kind of had that. Yeah. So we, uh, maybe the guys are being allowed to be more more human and mm-hmm. more normal and just mm-hmm. have a bit of crack and <clears> a bit more relaxed with it. I don't know if that'll mean there'll be better decision makers on yeah. the pitch, but maybe there could be a bit different vibe. I would imagine that atmosphere would lend itself to being more together and have yeah. more of a cultural yeah. kind of bond, more yeah, of a yeah. team bond, yeah. which we didn't see on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we saw. We, mm. we saw actually England plant the seed of doubt early on, mm. beat us up, and then we started to go into ourselves. Yeah. And we didn't really have the unity that we yeah. would. Johnny Sexton said in his post-match interview that <clears throat> it felt like he was reliving in the same game, he was in the same game as he was in the, in the Aviva last year, um, which I suppose it's going to take a while to, to break out of... Um, you know that what we've been doing for the last ten years under Joe and to um, imagine the break them on. Ball at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, didn't Eddie Jones like? Is he just laughing now? Like he's been torn to shreds over his selection. Yeah. Mm. Um, he said that. He said um, he said something like um, to the press. He was like slagging the press. Oh, we just have to come in here and suck up to you guys. You're the experts. Yeah. He says we're going to play six locks in the twenty three next week. <laughs> 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 Yeah. So, any any changes you reckon for the you'd like to see for the Italy game? Cooney, I'd like to see Cooney. Mm-hmm. Not, and again, I don't buy into the fact that Murray had, had a shocker. I don't buy into the fact that Murray's not what well, he's not oh. quite what he was. But I think he was hung out to drive with the forwards, let him mm-hmm. down, and even maybe maybe the coaching let him down because I don't think there was enough deception or shape off those uh, off those plays. But just because Cooney's played really well. Like Another thing team. Farrell said was he took he he blamed like. And he say, "This is on me" or yeah, something. He, he was did, saying yeah. a lot of in his post-match stuff that this is a, I got to take that in. It was me that didn't have them prepared or I didn't have them ready, which is them just deflecting maybe a little bit. Um, I didn't really understand what 
what he meant there. I think um, if you can put something down to a systematic um, uh, kind of reason why they didn't play well, like as in something that affected everyone, no one looked like their body language was kind of dynamic and physical and aggressive and confrontational compared to them. Whenever they got a turnover yeah. and you, you know they mm. brought their atmosphere yeah. and buzz, I think he maybe take responsibility for that. My yeah. thoughts on it were that in the Viva last year when they came and had that rip roaring start, yeah, it was yeah. energy. We actually tried to meet that with the same energy and started playing uh, a lot of ball and, and up the tempo as well. So I was thinking maybe you know all the talk this week was you got to to quash that English energy at the start because they're going to come out of the place like uh, mm. uh, like the traps like. So were we trying to slow the game down and maybe take a little bit more time, but with, with, by doing that, we lose energy. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. maybe, yeah. But definitely, it was, it was, I know, I know, it's just hard to, <laughs> it's hard to put it down. It's hard yeah. to put it down anything. Um, and then how do we re- react? There's no, I, I doubt there's anything in the game plan. If things start going badly in the first 10 minutes, then mm. we, we go to this. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't think that would be covered. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I think I think Cooney as well. And again, I'm a big Murray fan, but it's more just, look, you know, give him a chance because he's very good. Um, and I think what, what Ireland lacked is just that energy, as we were saying, and he's got it in, in abundance. So I think that would be great. Yeah. What it also might do is it might just... Um, oh, look, not, this, not that Connor is being complacent and as a result he's choosing to play within himself and by being dropped he's going to get a kick and he'll yeah, perform yeah. better the next time but um, I think it, it naturally does it, it naturally does like it's what happened to Peter Mahoney when he was dropped in the first game he came on then and he was just playing a storm yeah. and moving back and forth so I, I think it could be beneficial for both Murray and Cooney what and about I'll someone like Keelan Doris yeah look I think he's mm. the story yeah. everybody's talking about at the moment so more of that just more um, it's it's bigger picture it's the first year post World Cup it's a time where you want to just make take chances and I know it's on Andy's head and he's in a tenure where he wants to make a good impression and stuff and it's risky to blood players because you're inevitably going to you know take more risks and, and maybe lose some games but I think maybe for the um, yeah. for the for the return later on I think it would be a good thing to shake things up now uh, Kilcoin maybe as well I thought he went really mm. well when he came on mm. Brought a bit of energy. Yeah, it looks like Healy did it. Was there a report in Healy? <coughs> Just Farrell said at the end, it was his hip. He injured his hip and they'll take a bit of a look yeah. at it. But no, no injury updates now or anything yeah. today. So Porter as well. Porter went well when he came on, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. yeah, he was good, yeah. Serious player. Um, yeah. And then maybe, I don't know, did you want to change your whole, like Kelleher as well, maybe? like mm. um, Herring had a good game as well. Was, yeah. Did he? Like so one Dev overthrow. went well actually for coming in late, didn't mm. he? Yeah. He would have just found out, like, for, for, Friday or Saturday, wasn't it? Mm. Dev's never never going to be someone that brings you that big kind of grunt, is he? Like you know, like mm. he's never going to. That's not his game, yeah, really. Like, yeah. but is Henderson? Is he? Back this week he, yeah, yeah, just had, back, hey? yeah, yeah. Um, had a wee boy called Fred. Okay, yeah. on Friday, I think. Ah, oh, congrats, nice. or Freddie, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Or Frederick, I, I, don't <laughs> <laughs> I was just—I was watching the game actually earlier, and I was looking at when Keane Healy, Healy got injured, and I heard afterwards, yes, it was his hip. But I was just thinking, like, how big a hit would it have to be to hurt his hip? His you hip. know, yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, yeah. the biggest man in the world. I know his <laughs> hips are bulletproof. You would have thought he's yeah. so flexible as well. You ever seen him stretching before really? games? Like, yeah, he can pretty much oh, do yeah. this. No way, like, yeah. honestly. Yeah. So, I don't know, he looked like he was down poached and maybe right, you know, okay. could have stretched it too much, but yeah, you're right. Um, 
cool. And the French game, I don't know, I totally enjoyed that anyway. I was, I was, uh, we were in the pub at a reunion, uh, buzzing. There was just some brilliant moments, um, some brilliant tries. That, that, one, who scored? Was it Figo scored in the corner? It was disallowed? Yeah. What a try. Did you yeah. see that? Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, I thought Galtier looked like he's wearing Ian, McK- Ian McKinley's glasses. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. He looks mental. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't he? He does yeah. look a bit mad. Yeah. I'd say he is like he's. Yeah. He's. Uh, I can't imagine him and Sean Edwards having much in common. Yeah. They're very, very different types of people, aren't they? Yeah. What he's doing some job, man. Yeah. Sean Edwards, like that defence they had at the end of the first half, five minutes into injury town mm. time, down to 14 men. It's injury time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was uh, incredible and something you don't see from France, especially not away from home, yeah, yeah. that kind of resilience. But there just seems to be a change there, right? Yeah. Well, that's it. Like I, I Just in particular for the Intimac um, interception was phenomenal from a confidence point of view so defensive system yes tick mm. tick tick like there is there has to be there has we have to say that the defensive change has to be down to Edwards because um, it's such it's having such so a big distinct, impact yeah, yeah yeah but then the intercept was phenomenal like serious confidence like that boy mm. he had no right to go for that intercept no right at all because he yeah. had two players outside him and oh my good god unbelievable confidence to do it yeah. so yeah just he's such buzzing flair. at the minute isn't mm. he I, I was listening to another podcast and they, someone pointed out that like when he scored that try, he was just like, yeah. just dinked it down yeah. and was like, yeah. Yeah. What? yeah, what? I think he smoked a cigarette after <laughs> 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 Straight away. Some of those little plastic holders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and a big moment at the end when, um, when who was it that knocked on? Willem. How do you say that name? Of Willems, yeah. 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 yeah, knocked the ball. Who was Ken Owens making the pass? Is it? Ken Owens was with the pass. Yeah, Josh yeah. Adams was out on the wing. <sighs> Could have been a yellow card. Was it? Was he giving a scrum in the end? That yeah. was a knock on. But that that's was definitely. Paul O'Connell was just like saying he knows what he's doing. There. I'm with Paul. Yeah. He definitely knows yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, he'd like palm up, yeah. open, swing. Oh, just... sorry, I was trying to make the tackle. Um, it's yeah. not a penalty try. Because um, I think it was Josh Adams coming round. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's definitely going to score. I think there's a good chance. Um, or sorry, what am I saying? It was Josh Adams was going to score, mm. but whoever it was was coming around the corner. I don't think it was a penalty try, but a yellow card definitely. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you agree? Mm. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I just think. <laughs> I just think about the size of his hands. Actually, it's <laughs> Um, Italy Scotland match was there was nothing going on really in that apart from a, a pretty brilliant try from uh, from Stuart Hogg. For me, it was a weekend of um, of tantrums, and it was a bad weekend for player referee relationships. Mm. <laughs> I thought Johnny was cracking up mm. with Piper. Even Owen Farrell was cracking up. Um, uh, Dan Bigger was cracking up with mm. um, Matthew Carley. Mm. Um, and then I, I was listening to a bit of the Scotland Italy game on the radio. I think it was Al Kellogg on Five Live, um, Five Live Extra or whatever. He he threw a bit of a tantrum <laughs> himself, and he said um, there must have been a scrum where I think Scotland were going backwards, and uh, he obviously doesn't, didn't agree. It was Ben O'Keefe, isn't that his name, Ben O'Keefe? Yeah. Um, he said that's a that's a pathetic decision. <laughs> <laughs> decision. Decision. He cracked up and he goes, "That's absolutely pathetic, pathetic from Ben O'Keefe," which is strong. Yeah. And then he goes, uh, he goes, Ben O'Keefe, you know nothing about scrummaging. And then he goes, uh, 
uh, it was a nothing scrum. Uh, why would Scotland bring it down? And then he finishes with, is it any wonder we hate them? <laughs> refs. Oh, refs. Oh, yeah. my God. I, thi- like, it, I, I think it was Al Kellogg. I don't know. Mm. But I, th- I think he does a bit with Five Live and it sounded like him. So it could be someone else completely <laughs> and totally accusing him out of the blue, but isn't that quite strong? Yeah, yeah. You don't hear commentators talking like that. Yeah. Um, it makes sense, though, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, you get very frustrated, when, it, especially at scrum time, because I think there could be just such random decisions half yeah. the time. There's um, a couple in the, the Ireland game as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, you get one penalty, like, just as the ball went, I don't even know if the ball had gone in, just as they bound, and they gave a penalty straight away. Uh, Piper gave a penalty against Aki in the second half on about 58 minutes for and he clearly gave a little release and then locked in on the ball Yes, and uh, and he gave a penalty he gave a penalty against Ross Byrne towards the end for not rolling away where he's actually tackled down on top of the or, or rucked over down on top of the ball um, Johnny picked up on that actually with his conversation afterwards he says what was the issue with um, our 12 here hmm. and at the time Piper said uh, no release but then when Johnny said what was the issue here then Piper said, uh, oh, he led with his hands, or his hands were on the ground first. And Johnny said, he was like calling his bluff. Mm. He oh, said, okay, uh, yeah. but you'd said no, t- uh, yeah. t- or didn't release. Yeah. So it was a different reason why he gave the penalty. See, yeah. I think Johnny's very switched on with stuff like that. He oh, never yeah. misses yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. That's why I know people sometimes are critical of <coughs> him being too talkative to the ref. But he misses he nothing. No, yeah. no, he's so yeah. switched on. Yeah, yeah. No one else picks up stuff like that like yeah. he does, I don't think. Yeah, no, he's very he's very astute. I think it's just his delivery. And I think he's working on that. Definitely, when you become captain, it's vital, isn't it, that you mm. have to be able to kind of emotionally manage your delivery as such. But yeah. you're right, yeah. Farrell was very conscious of that. He was like, I'm trying to work with you here. I'm trying to work with you, you know, lad. As he held on to Sanders' leg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the women's game had a similar, I suppose, to the, to the men's game that shocking first half, but you know, conceded one try in the second half and, and kind of put it up to them a little bit more. Um, pretty positive, I suppose, second half from that point of view. Yeah, like it was those eerie parallels with the men's game in that, um, look, England were favourites going in, it's that same old story. Um, Ireland have been shown signs that they're maturing in this campaign, which is great. They have a good bunch of players and a good bunch of talent um, and they have improved a lot since last year and put in a great performance against Wales and beat Wales. But then just literally, we just seemed really spooked, like mm. really, really spooked. Yeah. And, and they are a young enough side as well, so I get that. And England are scary, like really they are. Yeah. And I think if you can't, if you can't get the right mindset going into playing England women, whereby you really just focus on yourselves and really hype yourselves up to play your game. If you look at them at all, you're absolutely screwed. And I think there just seemed to be that element where the girls were really spooked. They were doing the same as what the men were doing. They were taking passes, just static. It was all Mm. fairly aimless. Ones and twos, there was no fight on the ground. You know that, you know that, game where you, you get the ball and you're so scared of the opposition you're just like I'm going to go to ground because <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just yeah. need to get there you know yeah. and where they were just trying to go to ground there was no fight on the ground then the rooks ended up being messy and, and England would just turn it over so there was just no possession Ireland had no possession so England scored a few tries and then they seemed to have a word with themselves in the second half came back and put in some big hits just focus on the defence which Yes, I know it doesn't win games, um, but and they need to sort out their attack to score against England to be able to be competitive. But um, what it showed was is that when they show up, 
defensively they can put pressure on England and they stopped them scoring a few tries and they mm. got them to 27-0 in the end, which, which objectively is better than last year. And they never would have been looking to beat England this year, even though they would have loved to, obviously, but their goal was to win the three home games. Um, and the most important one for Ireland will be next weekend when they play, or what is it, two weekends Thanks, when they yeah. play Italy, because Ireland's kind of goal this year is they have a reportage in September because mm. they still haven't qualified for the World Cup. So if they, they play Spain, Scotland, Italy and Ireland in that reportage, just the four and the winner goes to the World Cup. So they've already beat Scotland. They can. They know that they can do that. They hopefully can beat Spain, who are not in the Six Nations, and Italy will be the good match. So if they uh-huh. beat Italy in Six Nations, that would look good for them in the reportage, and that's kind of their goal for this year. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, the two of you have been in common, actually. Oh. You've, uh, you're both former 13s, mm-hmm. um, both Grand Slam champions. And I didn't win a Grand Slam. Did you not? No, just the championship. Oh, shit! <laughs> I was going to. championships. You've both uh, been on stage with Hermitage Green. Yeah. Oh, yes. What was your? Were you on the? Were you on the muted bongos? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was on. <laughs> Oh, turn them off, turn them off. <laughs> oh, no, like, I would have gone to Hermitage Green as much as I could um, earlier on. And when we won the Grand Slam, the lads were playing in London, and I went along and I brought my medal because I, like, slept with it for probably eight months <laughs> afterwards. And, and, and it's not a gold medal, it's actually gold plate, and so it kind of wore away after. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I need to take this from underneath my pillow. I was biting it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, and I just, I always remember your face being so happy. Like, you know, some people who understand what it's like to have achieved what you've achieved in rugby or whatever it is. And I remember your face. You're just so happy yeah. for us. And, of um, course. He's yeah. lovely, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so what, what I was also half a bottle of whiskey and I'd what say, what did you play on stage? Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I just, just came on just stage. Came on. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. yeah. With her medal. <laughs> and then I took her medal and I put it on yeah. and I wore it for the rest of the gig. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to stay to the end. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> he played his, his song and then just walked out the yeah. door. He did that cheap stunt where they come down and sing the song in the crowd. You know, yeah. It's like emotionally manipulating everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell them our secrets. <laughs> Um, so obviously you have some incredible memories from that year uh, we talked to Fiona last week about um, Fiona Cochrane about what ye had gone through with those years of Bowes winning 12 championships mm. was it uh, all Ireland championships and then your first cap for Ireland against England was 70 something nil yeah, maybe 79 nil yeah and then to beat them in the in 2013 yeah um, and then to go on to beat the All Black or yeah. the, the Black Ferns in the in the World Cup, like yeah. what you know, what memories to have? Yeah, look, it's so cool, and you know what? It's it's funny because um, with Irish rugby, because we're trying to get it to the stage, and I say we, like you know, I've no part to play in that at all, really. But you you want to see it doing well. <clears throat> you tend not to be able to talk about the times where we've we've done well because you don't want to create like a comparison and I think that's that's healthy because you want to just focus on the girls but if you if you're if you're allowed time to talk about um the 2013 and 2014 it's it was so lovely because we like I I lost every game we lost every game for six years before we actually won a game you know so we were playing for 13 years um and 
the, the couple of girls that were there for it all were like Fee Coughlin and Joy Neville and, and that kind of crew. But there's plenty more before that, Sarah Jane Belton and Paddy Kelly and all of the great players that played with Bowes. And, and they were, that was in the team that myself and Murph played with. So we played for six years, won nothing. First cap, 79-0 in Worcester against England. You know, you're just like, oh God. Um, and then just started winning games, just won one game and then won the next game like each year <clears throat> and eventually won a couple of three, three and then four and you're just like, oh God, like I see this trend here, good. you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then then we ended up winning in 2013 and winning the Grand Slam and it was just a lovely combination of, I think, some old hats who probably like reflecting on what we're talking about with, with, with Ireland, you kind of, you become battened down by losing and um, trying to play a risk-free game. So I think by the end of it, we were probably very mature heads and knew good rugby and knew how to manipulate a game, etc., but didn't take a lot of chances. Whereas we just had this influx of two or three or four really good, young, vibrant players, Ashley Baxter um, mm-hmm. from, from Ulster, and um, they made the difference. And just that combination was lovely. And, and one important thing, I think we had a coach who... Um, who really just liked to empower the players. So we actually had a lot of ownership on the pitch as to what happened. And we could come off the pitch and say, look, I wasn't happy with that. Can we try and do this? And not that we'd change the game plan because of it, but um, we had a really good collaboration with our coach and, and the players. So it was a nice... Mm-hmm. I remember how how um, receptive you were to, to coaching and how that's what used to blow my mind because we kind of grew <laughs> up in the, in the club at under 20s and senior kind of at the yeah. same time. And I remember working with you in particular as a 13 in Costello would take us down and do some work and you uh, your ability to take in stuff uh, in comparison to most lads that I would have worked with and that's across the board for probably most of the women that I that in that bowls team and in that national team that that I would have known quite well um was quite striking to me like that the difference between uh men and women in that the girls were taking it in a lot more and just so much more encouraging and uh, the bond he had, um, it, was, it, was, it wasn't as competitive uh, within a team, if you know what I mean. Right. It was yeah. really encouraging and you were all so keen to learn yeah. um, that that's what's, what's always struck me. And, um, you know, I, I look at that team now, I mean, the Welsh match, I think I was really impressed by, by, by the girls that like, mm. no matter who was coming off the bench or yeah. who they're bringing on, they just seem to be all on the same page seem to have a similar kind of bond yeah Yeah. and that's that's a really valid point because I think this is the first time in this team (coughs) where I've seen that kind of alignment of of the girls and what they're trying to achieve Um, and on the pitch you you know that don't you when (coughs) when something happens um, and if you have to kind of shift the direction of what you're doing on the pitch when everybody does it as opposed to two or three players run that way and everybody else runs Uh that way whereas in the past we would have seen that whereas I think with this Irish team you're seeing that a little bit more Mm. Um, but just to just to talk about Bose a little bit more and that's lovely for you to say but I think the environment that we had in Bose was just so cool in that we have a great club that supported just players getting better the underage structure and all of the different layers and all of the different teams um, and then you had really great coaches that um, wanted the players to get better and I suppose that we had like the women's team and we always had a connection the 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 men's team one or two of the players from the men's team was coached the women's team, so he always had that 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 link. We had you guys to look up to because we had lots of Munster representatives and Ireland's representatives too and in the academy. And you just had that lovely kind of family community vibe, <clears throat> something I'd never forget, like really, 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 really special. Yeah. 
Brilliant. We, my, we had, at the reunion at the weekend, my dad couldn't make it, but he sent a video and he, sent, he said, uh, I was reffing the under 10s before and uh, you were playing against Richmond down in, uh, in, uh, in Richmond's pitch and uh, back then the girls and the boys would play together mm. and the under 10s and uh, he said, uh, Shane O'Keefe was in the front row and he was going out for a scrum and he came up out of the scrum and he said, Mick, my dad was ref, he said, one of the girls is after grab me by the balls. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad goes, play on, Shane. So I completely forgot about that. We used to play against each other. Oh, look, that's great. I think we should uh, get to our penguin of the week because we've left them hanging I'm sure this is probably this is a good way to keep them listening. <laughs> <laughs> They're all just there. So, Lynn, this is our penguin. Uh, Trimby made this with his children, who who got quite bored, I think, and he just ended up doing it. Is they it were a, doing a jigsaw while I was making that. Is that a toilet roll? Uh huh. Is it a toilet roll? Uh huh. Okay. Uh-huh. How would you make a penguin, Trimby? <laughs> just the same. Sure. I was asking so that I could replicate it. <laughs> Uh, so Hermitage Green are touring Australia in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to uh, Melbourne to play in St Kilda at a festival. And one of our penguins got on to me saying that she lives uh, in St Kilda and there is a group of penguins, actual animal penguins, that live just on the beach in St Kilda. And she likes to go down there with other uh, Baz and Andrew penguins and listen to the show while spending time with the actual penguins as the sun goes down in St Kilda in Melbourne. Isn't that amazing? It's more weird than amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go down there uh, after our gig in a few weeks. Um, so that that is one of them. But the, I'm not going to give it to her because I can't remember what her name is. <laughs> <laughs> not weird after um, but, uh, That's how fickle this trophy is. Yeah, and it's too far to send it to Melbourne. But there was a guy called Brian Redmond who did a marathon last week and he listened to our live show while he was doing our marathon, oh. his marathon. And it made him, uh, it inspired him. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, he just listened to it once? I don't know. How long is a marathon? An hour? What's this like? <laughs> <laughs> he must have been flying. You, in your Nike shoes. <laughs> really, really inspired him. Uh, okay, that's, uh, that's enough of that. So that's the Brian Redmond. Congratulations, you are our Penguin of the Week. And we'll be right back after this with our Guinness Pint Predictor. I remember once driving home from a game with Paulie in, from Cork and he was driving and I was sitting next to him and we were just chatting away and uh, we looked ahead and there was a rabbit hopping across the road in front of us and I think we both thought at the same time that if he just keeps on moving that we'll just go past him so we're driving and uh, the rabbit just stopped and <laughs> looked straight into the headlights and Paulie just fucking smacked straight into the rabbit. <laughs> And you could just hear this dink of the <laughs> of the bonnet of the car, and he was like, "Oh no, oh no, oh no!" <laughs> and uh, I was la- couldn't stop laughing at what had happened. <laughs> but he described what had potentially happened, like he was probably in the bushes with his family, and he was like, "I'm going to go out and get you some food," and they're like, "Thanks, Dad," and he's like. Hey. <laughs> Hopped down and then Paul O'Connell just mows him down in his car. So I thought yeah, that before was a- he goes, they're like, watch out for psychos, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, 
All right, welcome back. And let's take a look at the Guinness Pint Predictor leaderboard. Uh, the predictor is simple to get involved in. Um, you predict the winner and the margin of the Guinness Six Nations every week. And if you're within three points, you win a pint of Guinness. And a big shout out to Ed, who uh, donated me a pint of Guinness, which you can also do. There's been like 50,000. Yeah, yeah. That's lovely, of Ed. That's very near Penguin of the Week territory, isn't it? Oh, it is. Sorry, Ed. Sorry, Ed. Sorry, Ed. Uh, anyway, we're playing all the way through the championship, so please get involved by downloading the Match Pint app using the league code H-O-R-I-E, Japanese hooker. There are some really good prizes up for grabs. But the winner <laughs> of this week's prize, which was two tickets to the Italy game, is Joe Fanukin uh, with 71 points and two perfect scoreline predictions, um, which is insane. You finished top of the House of Rugby League for round one, so congratulations, Joe. Two tickets for Ireland versus Italy in the Aviva Stadium uh, and two tickets for Ireland versus Italy women's game at Energia Park the day after. Um, so you won. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> Pat has uh, outlo- outlined a, a little bit of a loose script here and he's highlighted classy reaction from Trimby. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know me at all? I'm going to be smug. <laughs> Uh, but it's for nothing, really. Yeah, this Flas not here to do his for you, you got 18 points, did you? No. No, oh, no, you got way more. More than that, yeah. Flas got zero, uh, but he's not here today, so... Pat got zero, too. Uh, yeah, we don't really have to highlight that. that for too long at all. But <laughs> thought Italy would beat Scotland. Yeah. Brave, brave. <laughs> um, on TV as well on Friday night, and I made all the exact same predictions. Horribly wrong. Mm. I forgot to do my predictions for for the Italy match, so I totally let myself down. Uh, But there's no rugby on this weekend, obviously, so rugby fans, uh, you can test yourself on the Guinness Time Quiz on the Match Point app uh, on Thursday. If you answer 10 questions correctly, uh, you win a Guinness at 5pm that same day. Party on. Party on. We're not there yet. Uh, (laughs) Cheers to everybody uh, for listening today and for those of you watching on YouTube. Thank you so much to Lynn for coming on. Absolute pleasure and best of luck with little Arlo. We hope you get him sleeping through the night. (laughs) ASAP. Uh, Thank you to everyone involved in the show this week, to Pat, to Dermot, to Ian uh, and to Anthony. Thanks uh, for your help this week's show and this has been Baz and Andrews, House of Rugby, here on Joe, together with Guinness Party On. Party On. (laughs) (laughs) You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.